Well, good morning. Well, it was a sad day for the Crimson community yesterday. They played the game, and the Yale Bulldogs won. They beat the Harvard Crimson, and Harvard was supposed to win. Did you, really, did you know that yesterday? Did y'all watch the game? The game. That is the game. Mm. Well, I watched a lot of football yesterday, as I do just about every Saturday. And uh, one thing struck me about um, football watching is that if, if we watch any amount of football at all, college football, you know that every new season brings a new hope. It's a new hope for that season. And you know that when there is a new coach, there's a new hope. And sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. When in 1976, Florida State brought in a new coach. In the years before, in the three pre preceding seasons, the Florida State Seminoles' record was 4-29. and 29. Four wins, 29 losses. And they reached out to a young coach in West Virginia. His name was Bobby Bowden. And he and his wife, Ann, received the, re the recruitment calls and they received the letter of offer and they talked about it and prayed about it and said, you know what, we'll go. Not because Florida State was any place any coach wanted to be. It was not. They weren't even on the radar in college football. They wanted to get back to the deep south. Alabama, uh, um, Bobby Bowden was from Alabama. He wanted to get back in the south. And so they took this offer. When he arrived, he looked over, surveyed the facilities, the program, the administration, the team, everything about the culture. And he knew that there had to be some changes. There had to be some growth. And so as he talked to the administration, they came to the conclusion that there were going to be some things they had to do. First thing was they had to beat somebody. <laughs> Anybody. But somebody of merit. And that came in the fourth game of the first season when they beat Kansas State. And then they looked at that win. They ended up going, they won five games that year. Then they figured out, you know what, we have to we have to have a winning season. It's not enough to beat somebody. We have to win more games than we lose. And they did that the next season. And then he and the administration said, you know what, we have to, have a, we have to beat somebody. We have to have a winning season. And we have to recruit one highlight, highly, highly touted recruit. We've got to bring him in. We've got to sign him. And they did. They signed a guy named Ron Simmons, who was a defensive nose tackle. And they had a good year. And then they said, you know what? We have to do more than beat somebody. We have to do more than have a winning season. We have to do more than just have a, a highlighted recruit. We, we have to have all of those things. We have to have a winning season, and we have to beat the Florida Gators. And eventually they did. And they said, we have to do more than all these things. Beat somebody. Have a winning season. Get a highly recruited athlete. Beat the Gators. We have to go to a bowl game. We have to go to the bowls. We've got to go bowling. And they did. 
And then they said, we have to do more than just beat somebody, have a winning season, have a high recruit, have a winning season and beat the Gators and go to a bowl. We need to go to a New Year's Day bowl. And they did. Now I say all of that because I'm thinking about our passage that we're going to read in just a few moments. I don't say all of that to recruit you to the Florida State world because I know you won't. And that's okay. We all have our faults. You take that as you want. I say that because Matthew, in chapter 25 of Matthew, we have the, the fifth and final discourse that Jesus offers his disciples as teaching. The, the Gospel of Matthew, it kind of encapsulates um, five teaching materials called discourses, and it's kind of wrapped up around the Gospel of Matthew. That's how it's kind of structured. Well, in this final discourse, Jesus is talking to his disciples about what it means to wait for his return, what it means to, to wait and to be a disciple in the end times, what we call the eschaton, the study of end times, or the end of all things. And they're listening. And in the course of chapter 25, he offers two parables and a teaching. The first parable is about the ten maidens who are going to a wedding feast. And they are told to have lamps and to have oil in their lamps. And some of them did and some of them did not. And when it came time for the banquet, some of them were ready and some of them were not. Some were prepared, some were unprepared. When the banquet arrived, those who had no oil in their lamps could not go. They could not see the way. Could not light the path. But those who did were prepared and they were faithful and they waited and they persevered and they were prepared. And then he gets into this little passage which is a jewel. Here on Thanksgiving Day we're going to read Matthew 25. It's about the talents. Parable of the talents. In, in chapter 25 beginning in verse 14 Jesus says, for it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. 
I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May God bless the reading of the word. Well, I told you, it's a wonderful Thanksgiving Day passage. This is a hard passage. It's a hard parable. But to kind of get our heads around it, to kind of hold this parable, we need to understand a few things. And those first hearers, those Jewish people who were listening to Jesus speak, they had heard him preach and teach all along. It wasn't that much earlier in chapter 20 of Matthew that Jesus condemns the lords of the, of the Gentiles who lorded over those who were beneath them, who held them, oppressed them, and suppressed those who were below them. Very imperialistic language. And here in this pair, 125, Jesus takes very similar language this imperialistic language about lording over and a harsh master. And so it can be kind of troubling how Jesus is holding these two parables, these two teachings in tension. But when these first Jewish people heard this, they would have heard not what we heard. When, when Jesus says that the master gives to the slave the talents. They heard that God has given to the people of Israel, God's called talents. Now talents is a, um, a figure of money. It's a term for money. A talent would have been about 15 or 16 years. 15 or 16 years of a a common worker's wage. So the one who received one talent had about, that's about 15 or 16 years worth of his wage. The one who received two was about 30 to 32 years of wage. And the one who received five, well, that's over 75 to 80 years of wage. They were given, this was, this was extravagance that these slaves were given. But these Jewish people heard it as the master God has given to us talent. 
something of worth, something of value. And we are to do something with it. And Jesus is really coming down hard on the Jewish leaders, as he has all along in Matthew. He applauds those who have taken the talent and have taken the courage and the risk to go out and grow the talent, to, to, to completely just well, double, double this extravagance by not being selfish, by not having uh, being dictated by fear. This one servant who was given one talent, who goes and takes that one talent and buries it in the backyard. Jesus says this talent is lazy and evil because he's taken what God has given to be used to grow to double, to grow the kingdom and take it and hidden it just as the religious leaders, just as Israel has done with the law, with the temple, with a relationship with God. They have tried to keep it all for themselves between themselves and God. They have hidden it. It is no longer a light in the world, no longer a city on the hill, no longer a lamp on a stand, but it's been buried hidden away, out of fear. Every Sunday morning, we gather in this space. Every Sunday morning, as we begin worship, we breathe deeply in. And we let it all out. And along the way, we say a simple little phrase of breathe in faith. And breathe out fear. We're reminding here that we are called not to live by fear, but to live by faith. And when God grants us, blesses us, gives us with talent, we're to live with that talent, selflessly with that talent, to share that talent, to grow the kingdom of heaven among us in the kingdom of heaven and in the world, not to hold it tightly out of fear, not to hide it, not to bury it. It's not something we keep. It's something we give away. And it grows in our giving. And it grows in our giving. And it grows in our giving. when we share what God has blessed us with, our talents, our gifts, all that God has blessed us with, whether we're sitting at a table eating mashed potatoes and rice and macaroni and cheese and turkey legs, giving thanks for one another, or if we're putting together Thanksgiving baskets, 35 baskets went out to the Joseph Project last week. 100 turkeys went out to the Joseph Project last week because this church said we're going to share our talent. We didn't hide it. That's what we're called to do every day. Is to live in faith. To live with courage. To take risk. To live with God. To proclaim the good news. To grow the kingdom of heaven in our midst and in the world. 
To be a light on a hill, a lamp on a stand. That's what God has called us to do and He has shown it through Jesus Christ. He has proven it through Jesus Christ. He has made it possible through Jesus Christ. And for that we give thanks. It's a difficult little passage. But maybe the point of this whole parable is to remind the people of God, to remind us that God blesses us. And He blesses us that we can be a blessing to the world around us. And when he begins to talk about how harsh the master is and being cast out into outer darkness, outside the city, away from the light of the community, maybe that's a warning to say this is serious business. And if we don't take it seriously, there is a reckoning. If we don't take it serious, we will find ourselves hiding what God has given us. And we will find ourselves in darkness. Away from the community. Away from the relationship with God. Because we've chosen to do so. Even as God begs us and pleads with us. Endows us and gives us all that it takes. All the strength, all the courage, all the peace. All the faculties to do what God would have us do, to be who God has called us to be, a light in the world. So as you're sitting around your table on Thanksgiving, just take a moment and give thanks to God for all the talents that God has given each and every one of us. And as we give thanks, share those talents with those around the table, with those in your neighborhood, with those where you work, and those in the world. And God will bless us as a community. God will bless us that we continue to be a blessing in the world. Continue to bless the kingdom of heaven. Continue to grow the kingdom of heaven. And for that I give thanks. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.